Pray that I triumph today, Fordad, or that I die, said Eugenides, bending from the back of the horse to look the brailing in the eye. If I live through this day and I am not king, then all that remains will be the thief, and every sovereign of the continent who betrayed me will wake choking on their own blood, I swear it. Your king in his innermost chamber, with his runestones laid out on the table, and his ship lamps by his bed, and his curtains trimmed in beads of carved jet, he will not be the first one to die, but the last. I say it three times, Fordad. It will be so, it will be so, it will be so. As Fordad staggered back, the king jerked at the reins of his horse and rode to the parley. In the confusion that followed, the brailing took a horse and rode for Stinos, and was not seen in Atolia again. I do have to say that, all else aside, the Brailing King has a really great taste in interior design. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, who are we welcoming back? Oh, I want to say dead guards, but that's no good. (laughs) Too soon. Too Too soon. soon. This is the Atolian Archives, your Queen's Thief reread podcast to help you recover from Return of the Thief. I'm Noelle. I'm Caitlin. And I'm Phil. Yay! Yay! <laughs> and today we are discussing Return of the Thief, Part 2, Chapter 9, in which we still have a maybe god possession through most of the chapter to the last paragraph under discussion, possibly. It's fuzzy. You know, you know when you wake up in the morning and you're not sure whether you're still possessed? Maybe divine. <laughs> is that maybe what being crossfaded is? <laughs> but he lights... No, no, no. He asks his dead brother to light the powder stores on fire. And that happens. And that he killed someone with lightning. That's interesting. Because what I was thinking with that line, brother Mm -hmm. a single spark will do, is that it is the god Eugenides speaking to whoever the other god is Mm. who is in charge of the lightning. That's how I had read it, yeah. But I, I do... guess I made a, like, Stenides forge yeah. connection. And I was like, wait, how are dead people manipulating the world of the living through huh. the dead? But we've already seen Jen's mother come back. That That is... So I was like, we're getting a whole book of dead people. There's an stuff. ambiguity about ghosts. Doesn't Hephaestia control the lightning? His sister? Does she? If we're being technical. I've lost track of the pantheon. The sky god's lightning bolts. Oh, yeah, there was the story right. about that, right? About right. getting them. The lightning bolts were the skies. Who hates Eugenides anyway, but she has them. Yep. So maybe you're maybe you're right there. I don't know. Listers, who 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 did you think the brother was referring to? Who's right and who's not on the podcast anymore? <laughs> You are the weakest link. Goodbye. I do think that regardless of who that refers to, it is like richer because Jen has just lost his brother. Yeah. Mm. It was really interesting reading this chapter, trying to still figure out like the separation between Jen and the God. And like, when is he referred to as Eugenides versus the king? Mm Mm-hmm. And, like, for some of the time reading it, I was like, okay, yeah, he's definitely still being possessed. And other times I was like, no, this is, this is not the god. This is Jen Jen. So, like, do you guys think he's being possessed through the whole time or not? We get a few mentions that just made me wonder. Like, I don't know if this is precisely out of character, but 
at the very beginning, uh, it's like he closed his eyes, but his expression remained hard as stone. And then when he finds out how many people and who are dead, uh, like he finds out Philologos is dead with a bunch of other people. And it says Eugenides was emotionless. Yeah. So that kind of argues he's still possessed. I think he's possessed during this whole chapter. Yeah. But just sometimes while possessed, he is able to be himself. Or sometimes he's doing both at once. Yeah. I think there's not necessarily like an it's... on and off dichotomy. Yeah, I guess it's not either or. What do you think, Phil? Um, it's, I think, like you were saying, the line is often very blurry. And I think that's intentional. And, yeah. And uh, the, the bit at the beginning, um, Edith, Tully, and Sunis did not take their seats beside him. They stood by as the tent filled with silent men. Uh, that kind of seems to me like they're they're not engaging with him in the same way that one would where they were sort of like not a council of equals but like kind of a group of people who would talk through things whereas here they are united behind this divine figure who is who is a man but not just a man mm-hmm. yeah and they definitely know he's being possessed uh, when Edis and Atolia are speaking, uh, and who is he now? Atolia cried, and Edis took the stricken queen in her arms, pulling her close to comfort her. He is still our gen, Irene. He can bear his god a little while without losing himself. So they know he's being possessed. I I hate he's- to bring Christianity into anything, <laughs> but. It does make me think of all of the Christian theological debates about, like, is Christ fully human and fully divine at the same time? Or is mm-hmm. he partially human and partially divine? Or was he human and then he became divine? You know, they, they killed each other over that. Uh, and it's all kind of unanswerable. Mm-hmm. I was thinking uh, of comic books, and I'm not going to name any specific names because I don't want to out myself for the things that I like. But... Uh, there's like a trope not just in comics of like you know you you let the god in, or the whatever in too much and it like takes over you yeah which i think is really interesting and i like that here that there's that tension and that the other characters well the intimate ones know about it which is kind of cool yeah I would like to call attention to the fact that Eugenides is a cool guy who doesn't look at explosions. <laughs> More explosions followed the first flames as high as the tree shot into the air. Thunder boomed again. The king didn't even turn his head. In the beginning of the chapter, um, like he, he gets confirmation looking at Fordad that the Brails really did portray them. And Ferris narrates, until that moment, I don't think he'd truly believe the Brails had betrayed us, so... He's at least not working with divine knowledge on that point. It's, it's both at once. Because last I checked, this guy by himself can't bring lightning down. That we know of. That we know of. And everything he says for the whole chapter is so metal. Mm-hmm. Every time he opens his mouth, it's like, yeah, I've been waiting for you to say that. I didn't even know I was waiting for you to say that, but I was. It's like every line in this chapter should go in the trailer for this movie. (laughs) (laughs) 
Nehuzerish says, I am a bastard, not a king. I saw Atolia follow his gaze, this time to Edis, as the king continued. A thief and not a king. He wants to know what I can steal now, and I look forward to showing him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that was significant. Atolia looks at him looking at Edis. Is that another yeah. reference to him being the bastard son of the king of Edis? Absolutely, I think. Yeah. Mm. And they have that... Edith and Atolia have that conversation about that right afterwards. Yeah. Where Atolia recontextualizes the whole book, The Thief, right. for us. Just another piece of crazy jumping out. Mm -hmm. His father didn't care about a mythological rock. He just wanted his son out of Edith. Yes. Because your council had just voted to kill him. Yes. They have always been afraid of him. Afraid of what he would become. And you, have you been afraid? No. Again, imagine looking at this 10-year-old and being like, you know what? I'm sorry, but the risk is too great. He has to go. This kid is too cool. He's too cool. <laughs> we got to get rid of him. And you know what? That's saying a lot because Edis is a country of cool guys. Yeah, truly. <laughs> they all have tattoos. Another really, really cool, really metal part. Trocades says, that will wake Busaneth. No, the king said. Busaneth woke earlier. Nothing will ever wake him again. By the way, yeah, I killed that guy. Not a big deal. <laughs> and he, he, he killed, who did he kill it? Who did he, um... Ion Nominus? Uh, mm -hmm. I, I'm making a stabbing motion with my hand because he, he stuck the... That was Busaneth. That was Busaneth? Yeah, he stuck, he the, stuck the triangle with knife. signature on it. Yeah. yeah. The only remaining piece of the, uh, the vellum that they signed the accord on yeah i read that for the first time and i was like oh why was i so worried about this horrible little piece of paper i was like oh yeah it's just over the first time i read when phil i was i was saying in an, in an earlier episode that when i read he signed this contract i was like wow that's it it's over yeah. he's he's signed a legal document there's just no coming back from this type <laughs> of crap like they've lost the, they've lost the war the whole story's done i guess we're just like out of here i'm I love that all ha! that's left on the paper is his signature. So now he's just signing his murder. It's it's like they had to guess. Yeah. But yes. It's but, interesting but... to me that there's like to me it felt like there were a little bit, was a little bit of tension in the fact that Eugenides did that because normally his his word is so absolute mm -hmm. and it seems like that would extend to like signing contracts and stuff and then here he is uh going around that in in what is a very brutal scene i guess mm -hmm. uh where like it seems like all of the rules are thrown out and and that includes his his word where his will is yeah. just at the front there that's a really good point you make and you know it's it's really interesting you bring up like the rules being thrown out because i'm also just considering like, looking at the rest of the series, how many people do we really see him kill? Like, mm. not that many. I don't know. Like, Ferris said earlier that he's always wavering between, what was it, mercy and ruthlessness or some, something along those lines. And neither one of them is on top for very long. But yeah. this is definitely, like, the farthest reaches we see him go to, I feel kill like. Kill mode. Yeah. yeah. And it's interesting that you bring up how his word is absolute. Because mm -hmm. on one hand, his word is absolute. Like when he says to Fordad, 
you'd better pray that I either succeed or die because if I lose, I'm coming for you. And you know that that is absolutely true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But at the same time, he's a habitual liar. It goes back to when Edith was saying to Atolia in Queen of Tolia, like, sometimes, uh, I okay, I'm going to get this mixed up, but he sh- sometimes when he lies, she's sometimes a little bit taken in and thinks he tells the truth. But when he's really telling the truth, she's never thought it was a lie. Mm. Mm, yeah. And there's that, the the line in King of Atolia where he's like a god revealed. Mm-hmm. And there's sort of like these moments where Ooh, he, he just, his true self is exposed. Mm-hmm. And what's that? It's another bit in King of Atolia where Costas sees the god With and the he he feels for a moment like that's the only real thing and everything else is fake yeah atolia asks edith once when i said he had saved me you said i had saved him from what edith didn't need to answer saved him from becoming the thief the murderous figure sitting alone with his dead there we go i'm interested in how after busaneth dies um after he is killed by uh someone um just he unfortunately ceases to live. Nahusaresh ends up in charge, but only because nobody else wants to do it. <laughs> He's the only one kind of just like desperate enough to have power that he doesn't see that it's probably a bad idea. They know where the wind is blowing on this one. Mm-hmm. And he has a certain amount of like internal political immunity because of his his emperor the brother right he thinks he does yeah but remember uh, in the in the chapter before this boo seneth said something like you know you're not here because you're important like you're not here because you're gonna run atolia you're here because they didn't want you whining underfoot and getting in charge of the big boys plans over there (laughs) so maybe the worst case scenario for him if he doesn't die is that he'll just be sent somewhere else and then, I am in command here, Nahusa Resh announced. Eugenides ignored him. We can hardly <laughs> negotiate without the man in charge, which is Erendides. And then, in in the only display of, like, genuine magic undertaken by a person in the whole story, he kills Erendides with a bolt of lightning and i guess we can argue that it's not like magic done by a person because he's being possessed by the guy whatever but you know the closest thing and that's in a chapter full of like hit after hit that is fantastic yeah Mm -hmm. at that point you're like yeah sure yeah it's amazing but (laughs) mm -hmm. a bolt of lightning cracked the sky it struck a tent in the mead camp Canvas blossomed into black smoke and red flame. As the tent burned, Eugenides said to the stunned Mead, that is all the parlay that happens today. Drops Mike. <laughs> <laughs> and then the last paragraph is Eugenides' father catching him as he falls off the horse. And then you're like, wow, was that it? Is he dead? Who knows? Yeah. Just another psych out with Jen falling throughout the book. Maybe this is a reach, but... Uh, you know how Moira's prophecy earlier was, uh, you will fall like all thieves fall or something, paraphrasing. You will fall as all thieves fall when your god lets you go. So I also kind of maybe read this as the god letting him go, like unpossessing him and he faints. Oh yeah. And then he's himself again when he wakes up. Yeah. 
also very very tropey when the the character like turns their powers off and then in the uh interregnum he has this dream about later and i looked up i googled what interregnum means and it's apparently a period when normal government is suspended especially between successive reigns or regimes Hmm. Discuss. Is this between possession and non-possession? Is this between eugenities and eugenities? It's like we all die when we go to sleep, man. <laughs> it's interesting that this is later. Like it's interesting that he would dream about later in this moment. It's also interesting that the actual ghost of later would show up in this moment. Yeah, I mean that's another dead person. It's another ghost situation. I feel like there weren't there weren't ghosts uh, in these book. books, and then suddenly there were ghosts. Yeah, I think in a lot of ways, Jen is like this this locus of like the blurring between the different like the world of the spiritual and divine and like the real world. Yeah, and so it makes sense that he would experience a lot of these things, or that or that these things would at least happen around him, mm-hmm. and maybe other people see them. Yeah, what was it? The veil is thin for him. Yeah. Mm. And they have this really interesting back and forth kind of that I feel is also tied into like, you know, we've we've been talking this whole time through this whole like war book about like the morality of killing people and like, are you more responsible when you're doing it with your own hands on a battlefield versus when you're making the command decisions and like whatever. So this is also kind of talking about the personal responsibility of causing a death uh later said eugenides and i'm so sorry that our massachusetts accents are causing us to make it sound like now or later and we're just saying (laughs) later but i swear we're trying to say it with the d okay (laughs) indeed said later exactly as you made me i did not make you said eugenides you made me dead Stopped all change at this moment, made me this man forever. You made yourself. I did not make that man that you were when you died. Later dismissed the objection with a shrug. It doesn't change your responsibility for killing all of the men that I might have become. And then Jen tries to move responsibility off of himself by saying, well, I was keeping the laws of the gods. And then he has to admit, like later makes him admit that I did this because I hated you. Like it was personal Mm -hmm. because it's all personal. In the end. And then we get another prophecy. Kind of late in the game. Also, it suddenly makes Ferris very important. Like, Ferris has up until this point been just like, he's there. And now he is suddenly getting, like, really pulled mm-hmm. into the action. Mm-hmm. Megan loves uh, making us pit two special boys against each other. <laughs> what do you think it means that there's no quotation marks in the interregnum? I like that choice. And later says, you know I speak the truth. No one lies here. But Eugenides lied two paragraphs ago. So, who knows? Also, are they in a specific place? Or is later coming to his psyche in a dream as a ghost? And why? Muddy the waters. Why is later even able to do this? Like, 
Jen seems to think that this not only was a prophecy that was brought to him in the form of later, but like it's literally from later. Like right. he doesn't trust it because this is from a guy who hates me. The but, literal guy. The literal guy. But he's, he's dead. So like why, why now, like from later's perspective, why did mom have to come through the fire and not a dream? Yeah. And at a certain point we'd, yeah, we'd start getting too technical about it. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> trying to ruin to the be. mystique. A party pooper with these stupid little qualms. What are the rules, Megan? <laughs> it does seem almost like Eugenides sought him out in the dream space or something. I think you're right. That's a really good thought. Here's a thought. What if this didn't really happen and Eugenides just dreamed it? What if? Whoa. Ooh, what does that sound like? controversial we should be trying to vibe with this story instead of understanding it i, <laughs> I do think that he just committed some great acts of violence mm -hmm. and so he's thinking back to the first man he ever killed and how he still like clearly feels incredibly guilty about that that's so why he sort of like summons him like i think you're right about that mm -hmm. so it's his own like he's all, like he's almost trying to destroy himself here i think that's that's like a thing with with trauma, even like trauma that you're responsible for, particularly with, I mean, I've never killed anyone, but that I can imagine that's, that's traumatic for, for all parties involved. And so he would, you know, he wants to revisit it and maybe he's seeking out later for forgiveness or understanding. Uh, Didn't get it. Nope. <laughs> nope. But he did get more of an understanding, like he needed to admit to himself that he killed later because he hated later. Mm. Who needs a therapist? <laughs> Instead of going to therapy, I just commune <laughs> in my dreams. <laughs> it's cheaper. Because <laughs> he, like, he could easily say, I, you know, I killed all those meat officers because it was necessary, or because the god literally made me do it. But also, he hated those guys. He did do that, and it was personal. Mm -hmm. He wanted to do it. And this is going to be such a good setup for next chapter when you have to choose between going after Sejanus, this guy that you personally hate, or doing your real job. <laughs> he has a job. I like how this story has divine right of kings, but it kind of makes you worse. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that I would say, like, it's all divine right of kings, but maybe not an argument for it. <laughs> I'm like, I totally said, oh, who is it? Yeah, yeah. Atolia says to Edis, I don't understand how you don't hate him. And Edis says for the same reason that you don't hate him and that Sunas doesn't hate him because of who he is. Like, he's just, Jen's just, he's so lovable that he can do, yes. he can do anything. He can take over the world. He can kill whoever he wants. And, uh, everybody's still... Divine Red Kings, but just for one person, just my favorite. For, just for the guy that I like. <laughs> that I like. <laughs> Atrocities by one man only. <laughs> Ed will excuse them. I like that it feels like, uh, not even feels, he explicitly states any any person that's in his way, he could kill at any moment. He could achieve any political aim that he wanted to, but he doesn't want to, like, unleash the beast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and all everyone who cares about him is like, no, we can't ask him to, no. And, like... The implication is that he has literally been in this guy's bedroom before, the king of the Braylings. So he just, when did he do that? When did he have the time? 
I catch that. But of course it does. How did I not catch yeah, that? That's, that's so funny. So I true. thought he just sent like spies, but no, of course he went himself. Yeah, he yeah, is he his spies. <laughs> he is. Because I don't think, like, I can't imagine anybody else being able to get away with it. Yeah, no, that would be crazy. That's a long trip. Did he take a few weeks off? <laughs> Wait, didn't didn't Relius leave for a little bit? He did. Where did he, where did he go? We're not 100% sure, but he ends up getting captured by, I believe, the Pence. Mm. Does he? Man. I think so. There's so much that I forget. <laughs> mm-hmm. I could see uh, Relius finding his way into a king's bedchambers. Yes. In a less subtle way than Jen. Who saw that coming, hmm? I didn't know he was hot. Everyone's hot in this. Let's be real. <laughs> Did we already, did I already ask this question on the podcast? Do you think Relius sleeps with so many people as a secret part of his job to gather information and he's not just promiscuous? I mean, I think he's having a great time. Yeah. But I think maybe, maybe he, part maybe of his he does a little work, things? you know, while he's, while he's there. I think that that's like a classic, like, spy thing. It's like how how much how useful is it how much do you enjoy it and like all the best love it and can use it and can like maintain that distinction but also this is a book where or a series where the lines between personas are always being blurred so yeah yeah Mm. but everybody in the palace knows that he's the spy master right so What, how much useful stuff is he going to get? I guess depends on how good he is in bed. Yeah, maybe. Uh, it's just so great that people, <laughs> they just forget. They're like, yeah, you want to come over for dinner tomorrow? I, I have so much good stuff to tell you, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> That's part two, chapter nine. Next time, Ferris has another adventure. Send us your comments, questions, and thoughts. Chime in at atolianarchives.tumblr.com. Be blessed in your endeavors. Thank you for listening. This has been an Amateur Embroidery production. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, anywhere podcasts are available.